For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's a short text, but it is a powerful text. It's extremely powerful. This text says that the law was given by Moses, which means that the regulations and the standard of righteousness and the the, uh, form of how a person should behave themselves so that they can change their character, change their mode of living, change their attitude, change everything they have toward God so that it's purified and that God will accept that individual and can dwell with them. That's what the uh, law was intended to do. But it says the law was given by Moses. The grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Sometimes these words just get by us without really um, sticking, as as you think. Grace and truth. Now, the word grace, probably for me, the easiest way to define it is favor. God favored me, favored you. God uh, believes that you're someone that is his favorite. You know, we talk about children in the family. This is the favorite child. We talk about someone who is part of a organization, for instance, a a business, and you have uh, people who are favored by the boss or by the CEO, the one who runs the company. This this person has favor, and so they have special privileges, and they're looked upon differently than all the others. When you come before a judge, for instance, sometimes the judge will have his nephew or niece in front of him standing trial, and you know that that child is going to be favored by the judge. So when we talk about grace, we talk about the fact that God somehow has looked on you and said, you're my favorite. Now that makes a difference to me. You're my favorite. I favor you. And so I'm going to give you some special privileges, some things that you really don't deserve, but you're going to get them just because I want to give them to you. Grace and truth. Now, these terms are found in the book of John, chapter 1. They they just repeat themselves, basically. But the word grace does for sure. In verse 14, it says, The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is just brimming over with grace and truth. Powerful words. Grace and truth. Don't, Don't disconnect the word truth, because the word truth means veracity. It is, it is uh, something that is factual, something that is solid, something that is dependable. So Jesus is full of grace and truth. So if you get next to him, you're going to have some of this rub off on you. Some of the grace and truth that is in Jesus Christ. Now he's the embodiment of grace. He's, he's the embodiment of truth too. And John Verse 16 of John 1, it says, Of his fullness have we all received. Grace for grace. Of his fullness. So he spilled over onto you the favor that God has for him. Jesus, obviously, is God's favored son above all others. He's full of it, though. And so if he is in your life, then that favor will spill over from him into you and will fill you as well. He's the embodiment of grace. He's the gift that God has given to us 
without us having to do anything to deserve it. Now, you weren't born as a special individual. You didn't grow up as a special individual, maybe perhaps to your parents, to your friends or an uncle and aunt, to someone that just sort of took a liking to you. You became a favorite, okay? When we were born, we were not born as favorites, essentially. But Jesus is a favorite. He came into this world as God's favorite. And he shares that favor with us because God looks at us and says, hey, I, I like them too. I, they're my favorite. Favor and grace, let's just think about it just a minute. Uh, grace is, is something that uh, is different when we read the New Testament from, from what everybody else talks about when we talk about grace or favor. You know what karma is? K-A-R-M-A? Maybe you don't. But anyway, karma means getting what you deserve. Okay? That's what karma means. You get what you deserve. Whatever you did, that's what you're going to get. Grace is getting what you don't deserve and not getting what you do deserve. That's what grace is. It's different from the law. The law requires a performance in order to get the benefit. So the law says, if you will do this, I will do that. Okay? If you will not do this, I will not do that. So the law tells you, the law is this and that, and do this and don't do that. That's what the law is. That's what the law of Moses was. So the law says, don't, don't hate your neighbor. Oops. I found one I don't like. Okay. Now, how do I rectify that? How do, I, how do I get that resolved? Well, you say, well, you just got to be a better person. Well, okay, but I still hated them. Now what happens to me? Well, the law means we follow requirements to the best of our ability, and we try to live up to a standard of behavior that's acceptable to our society, which is a pretty low bar, isn't it? You don't have to do much to be accepted in society. As a matter of fact, you don't have to do anything. There's a lot, a lot of our society that will accept you just any way you are, and whatever you do, it doesn't make any difference to them. But God's different. He's different. He's going to demand a higher bar for us. We're going to have to live up. And the law says, here's how high the bar is. And you know what? It's over my head. I used to high jump when I was in high school, believe it or not. <clears throat> and I was a little taller at that time, too. <laughs> As I get older, I get shorter anyway. I could, I could high jump to my eyes. But when the bar got above my eyes, for some reason I couldn't get over it. Well, that's the way the bar of the law is. It's above our eyes. We can't get over it. So that's why we can't be justified by the law. And grace is that commodity that God has given that gets us over the bar. That we can get over the bar. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know that. And we know that we can't measure up by ourselves. We are unrighteous. And even, the, even if we could do it all at this point forward, what about behind us? What have we done? How do we get rid of that? That's the big question. Romans 5.15 says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. So not, not according to what you did, but you have a free gift. Now, the word free gifts, and you're going to hear this a lot. 
Free grace, free grace, free gift. This is the only text in the New Testament in the Bible, as a matter of fact, that talks about free gift. A gift is obviously free. It's, unless it's got strings attached. Don't ever give a gift with strings attached. If you give a gift, just give it. But this text, free gift, is just the intense form of grace. It's just another form of grace, but it's just more intense. That's all it is. It's the word grace. Not as the offense, so is the grace. If through the offense of one, many being dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. So that basically, what Jesus did, he stepped up and said, whatever is due that you owe, I will pay. And you're free. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You know, that's the biggest appeal in this whole world of the message of Jesus Christ. It's the biggest appeal that you do not have to face your crimes ever again if you come into the grace of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3, 7, Paul said, I was a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. Now that gift is given. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish for everlasting life. So the gift came because God loves you. Now, don't, don't get this idea that it's just a, a love that's just sort of spread around and not personal. It is personal. God loves you. You, you have to feel that. Before it makes any difference, you have to feel that. God loves you. We're not a, a desirable bunch of creatures. We're not lovable by nature. But God loves us. Sometimes you can love someone because they, they sort of hit a, a sp particular sensitive spot in you and you say, I like that person real well. God loves everybody. He loves you. And therefore, He gave His Son to save you from your sins so He can treat you as a favored one. Romans 5, verse 7 and 8 says, Scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even die, dare to die. But God commended His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, God, or Christ, died for us. Jesus brings the grace of the Father into our lives. We've done nothing to deserve it. Nothing. He bestows His favor on us. His presence in our lives overwhelms justice. Justice demands. Justice demands that I pay the penalty for what I've done wrong. That's what justice demands. Grace overwhelms it. Sweeps it away. I deserve everything, the penalty for everything I've done. Jesus in my life overwhelms the justice and sweeps it aside. Now that, I don't know about you, but I can tell you this, that when I finally decided that Jesus was going to be in my life and I was buried with him in baptism for the remission of my sins and I rose to walk in newness of life what a relief it was I left behind a bunch of nastiness a bunch of bad things so much so much damage in my life before and I wasn't very old but I left that behind and when you do that when you come into the presence of God through his son Jesus Christ all of that is gone. I mean, it, justice doesn't mean anything anymore. 
because Jesus Christ met that for you. He accepts our penalty as his own. Paul said in Colossians 1, 4, he said, I thank my God always on, be, on your behalf for the grace of God that's been given to you in Jesus Christ. Paul was happy for you that you had the grace. Hebrews 2, 9 says, We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So he stood up and said, I'll take his licking. I'll take your licking. I'll do what it takes. Justice is falling upon you, but I'm going to take it on me, and you don't have to worry about it anymore. It's mine, not yours. Now that's favor. Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. With His stripes we are healed. I got better because He got worse. I felt better because He felt worse. I was healed because He was bruised. Titus 3, 7 says, Being justified by grace, we will be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 2 Corinthians 8 at verse 9 says, We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, for your sakes He became poor. He just gave it all up so you could have it all. He gave it all up so you could have it all. Okay. These two qualities of Jesus, grace and truth, that God freely gave to each of us as number one, an incredible favor. Grace is an incredible favor. Incredible. And two, it's a solid fact. Grace and truth. Okay. Grace wouldn't mean much if it weren't a fact. You follow? That's why he combines these two. Grace and truth. That's what we started out with in, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 14. Grace and truth. But if you don't have both of them coupled, neither one are going to be worth a lot. If we have the favor of God and yet it's a lie, it's a deception, it's a mirage, it's a fantasy, what good is it? I'm standing here telling you, don't worry, don't worry. All your sins are forgotten. God's not going to do anything about it. But I'm lying to you. Now what? So the text says that it's grace and truth. It is favor and fact. Jesus Christ is grace and He's also the reality of truth. The truth is in Jesus. Just like grace is in Jesus. The truth is in Him too. You cannot have grace without Jesus. Because he's the one that verifies it and solidifies it and makes it real. He's the one. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the truth. Okay. In Galatians 3, 1, it says, O foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you? He's talking about Jesus Christ and he's talking about the truth. Jesus Christ is verity. He is veritas. He's the truth. He's stable. He's there. Whatever He says is right. All right. Ephesians 4.2 says, If you have heard Him, have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus. These statements made in the New Testament are made there for a reason. If I have Jesus in my life, 
He's the truth. I have grace in my life because He is grace. You follow? I can't have one without the other. In Titus chapter 2, verse 7, Paul said, I'm ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. He's not lying. One of the most imposing enemies of our souls is the lie. Lying stands at the head of evil. Did you know that? Untruth is at the very beginning of evil. Very beginning, very start. A lie is the starting block of our race in life. It's the sounding gun that starts the race. That's the lie. If you start out lying, it propels us away from God, leads us away from God eternally if we're caught up in lying. And lying comes very easy. Jesus is the truth, and lies blind us to that fact that He is the truth, and He is the only one who is. 1 John 2.22 says, Who's a liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ? That's pretty important. If we deny He's the Christ, we're, we're a liar. John 8.44 says, Jesus said, You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he bowed not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Talking about the devil. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. He is a liar and the father of it. Truth is very important to us. Revelation 21 verse 8 says, The fearful, unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. Among all those dastardly villains is, stands the liar. You say, well, that's, you mean the big liar. No, the liar. What's the difference between a big liar and a little liar? Size? <laughs> What's the difference between a black liar and a white liar? Color? Distinction? Grade? Gray lie? All liars. He said all liars shall have the... All liars in the, are in that company of the worst kind of criminals you can see, spiritual and physical. So, when we talk about grace and truth, Jesus is the truth which tells us that what he tells us about grace and what he can do for us is right and you can enjoy it, you can accept it. And, and you know, this makes a difference. It makes a difference to you in your life. In Acts chapter 14, verse 3, the Apostle Paul was preaching, him and Barnabas. And it says, long time, and they were in, in, the, uh, in the city of Antioch. It says, long time, therefore, they abode speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace. Get it? The word of his grace. You can't have grace unless you have the word. Right? If God is going to forgive you, you're going to have to know something about it. If you don't know about it, it's not going to happen. Jesus is the one that tells us about it. We have to know Him in order to know about grace. Now, this He, he goes on in, in Acts chapter 20, verse 32. He says, Now, brethren, he talk, He's talking to the elders from the church at Ephesus. He says, I, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace 
Now, he doesn't say, I commend you to grace. He says, I commend you to the word of his grace. John 1, 1, in the beginning of the word, the word was God, and the word was God. I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. Now, listen to this. Galatians 1, at verse 6, he says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. Note, note, note where they're removed. Unto another gospel. Wow. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He said, you, you got out of the grace. How would you get out of the grace? Because you got out of the gospel. Someone said, well, I, I, believe, I believe this is what Jesus said. Well, if you believe it and you think it's right, then you ought to be able to find it in the gospel because that's where everything is right and that's the word of God. Okay, if you get out of the gospel... You're out of grace. Grace and the truth are bound together and they're bound in Jesus and He is the fullness of grace and truth. Colossians 1 verse 5 and 6 is the hope that is laid up for you in heaven wherever you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which has come unto you as it is in all the world and brings forth fruit as it does also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. You knew it in truth. 2 Peter 3.18, Peter said, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now we can find out about grace because we consult the truth. And we have the truth in the Word of God. In Romans 3.23, it says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But in verse 24, it says, You're justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we justify, justified by faith we have hope through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he's, he's added another element. Paul has added another element. Grace, truth, and faith. Okay. How do I come into the grace of Jesus Christ? I have to come into it by the avenue of faith. So, we're, we're, we come into Jesus Christ by faith, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Romans chapter 5, verse 2. How do I get into the grace? By faith. Simple? Seems so. Galatians three verse or Galatians 5, verse 3 through 5, Paul said, I testify again to every man that's circumcised that he is debtor to do the whole law. So people at that time, if they were circumcised under the law of Moses, that committed them to having to keep every commandment and to have to suffer every item of justice if they failed in keeping a commandment. So God said, no, we're going, to, we're going to eliminate that process. I'm going to give you grace that will relieve you of all your sins and give you an opportunity to walk before me in the steps of your father Abraham, and that's of faith. Okay. I, can, I have the Word, I have the truth, I have the Word of God, and then I have the grace of God, but how do I get it? How does that happen? By faith. And uh, this text says, Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever is justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. So if you justify yourself, now the idea is, I'm going to get better, all right? I'm going to do better. Someone said, okay, you're a bad guy, Bill. Okay, I'm a bad guy. 
I've done some bad things. Let's, let's say I've done some really horrible things. I, this morning, before I had my Wheaties, I snuck over to my neighbor's house and I killed her dog because the dog barks all the time and disturbs me. But I don't want them to know it, so I buried the dog. I've done something bad. That to them, I've done worse than hanging her child, I think. If you kill somebody's pet, it's worse than killing a human being. But anyway, I've done something bad. Now then, how do I rectify that? Under the law, what do I do? Well, I go before the priest and I say, here's, here's the sacrifices. I want you to know that I feel bad about what I did. I feel bad, so I'm going to kill a lamb. I killed a dog. Now I'm going to kill a lamb, and I'm going to, going to feel the, the pressure on my heart because I did something bad. Now I'm going to have to give up a lamb and, and give up some monetary sustenance too. I'm going to kill this lamb. I'm going to go to the priest and say, Here, here's what I'm going to do. Will God forgive me for this? I'll pay for that by that. But that does not change the fact that I killed that dog and I covered it up. It's still there. It's still there. May not be on my record particularly, but it's still there and it's in my conscience and it's in the life it's it's actually happened. It's in history. What do I do with that? Now that I want you to think about this. When you have sinned, that sin does not disappear from your conscience. And it probably doesn't disappear from somebody else's conscience. If you're in the grace of God, it does disappear from his record and from his mind. It's gone. He blots it out. I still have it here. I, I, can't, I can't get rid of it. All I know is that God took care of it for me. Then I know I don't have to answer for that. Now, I'm probably going to have to go back and tell my neighbor that I killed their dog. That's criminal justice. That's social justice. And I probably have to go dig it up and help them bury it in a proper place and probably build a monument and pay a fine. But I, and I can do all that, but I still have not cleared my conscience unless I have some way to clear it. And the only way I can clear that is by the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, His blood. His grace, His truth. How do I know that's right? How do I know that can happen? Because Jesus is the truth and He said it can happen. You follow? Now, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So I try to do the very best I can, but I do know that oftentimes I'm going to slip up. But I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb, and Jesus Christ continues to forgive my sins if I'm faithful and just to confess those sins and get away from them. But I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember them, but you know what? God's not going to. And He's the one that matters. He's the judge. I can beat myself up all my life about what I've done, and I do. And you probably do too. But God is not going to beat me up. He's forgiven me. How do I know? Because Jesus said so. And he is the truth. Romans 6 verse 13 and 14 says, Nevertheless, yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Don't yield them. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are 
alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under the law, but you're under grace. So sin is not going to control me. Grace is going to control me. This said, all of this said, God approached us, humanity, with a gift in His hand. He came bearing a gift to you. He said, here's a, here's a present for you. Here's something I want you specific, specifically to have. And I want you to think about this just a minute. God knows who you are. He knew you from the time before you were born. He knows you. And when I say that God came to you with a gift, I mean it. He came to you with a gift, specifically. Here it is. And that gift in His hand was His Son, Jesus Christ. And Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. He said, To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself. He came in the person of Jesus. That's the gift. He's the gift. Not imputing their trespasses unto them, has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Grace is an appealing proposition. God is offering to clear His books of any and every crime you could imagine committing against mankind or against heaven. He, is, he, will, he will do that. He'll clear His books. He'll void our conscience of the evil we accumulated in our lifetime. He will, uh, long as short as it may be, our life. He offers to give us immunity from our bad acts from before and protection for our misbehavior that we may fall into in the future because His Son is there with us to pull us up out of the slime that humanity's found itself in. God offers to take the ledger that records our past and blot out, erase, every malfeasance we have ever done. Why? How? So I ask, how... What should I do? It's there. Jesus came. It's, it's accumulated by faith. I believe it, Lord. How do I get it? How do I get it? Well, Acts chapter 3, verse 19, 20, Peter was talking to the rulers of Israel, and he said, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. He shall send Jesus Christ which before is priest to you. He'll send His Son to you. Repent, be converted from your sins. When the people on the day of Pentecost, after Peter preached to them and said, you, you crucified the Lord of glory. You took the presence of God and, and threw it in the fire. You stomped on it up and down. You, you, missed, you, you didn't care about His gift. And so they cried out and said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? That's what we cry out sometimes. What, what shall we do? Well, the first thing that happens basically is, as we understand it, we believe that Jesus is the Christ. Uh, mortal courts, that is uh, courts of law, can uh, impose penalties and they, they can exact a modicum of uh, social justice, but they can't, they can't begin to expunge our misbehavior. They can say, okay, here's what you do. You killed your you killed this guy because you didn't like him or he did something bad. You got into a brawl and you killed him. Now the court can impose justice. They can say, okay, 
Now you're going to pay for your crimes. What are you going to do? Well, we're going to fine you this, this much. We're going to fine you $50,000 and, and uh, impose a penalty of 15 to 20 years in prison on you. They can impose that penalty. Does that take care of the crime? It doesn't, does it? The crime is still on the books. Oh, you can, you can pay your debt to society as it were, but how does that work? How are you paying your debt to society by paying a monetary fine? It just doesn't work that way. So there's some way, though, that we have to get relief from justice. You say, okay, it's, it's, uh, it's faith. Well, we know it's faith. God is, has made the most attractive offer that man has ever seen by offering forgiveness, redemption, salvation, eternal life on, uh, given to everyone on the face of this earth. That offer is being made. He's the ultimate gift of grace. No greater favor can be known so that regardless what you've done, just like the man that killed his neighbor, God is not going to say, okay, you're going to do this, do this, do this, do this, so, many, so much penance. He's saying, I'm going to forgive you. Now, preachers and teachers set forth that offer all the time. And I'm, I'm getting to it. How do I get access to that? How can I relieve my conscience? How can I get all this baggage away from me? How can I get redemption, forgiveness? How can... How can my life improve? How can, I, how, can I, how can I realize that when life is all over with, it's been worth something? When I finish up, that I have something to look forward to. You know why you don't get up in the morning? You know why? If you don't. <laughs> Anybody here don't get up in the morning? If you don't, I'll tell you why you don't. Because you don't have anything to look forward to. Stay in bed. That's it. Stay in bed. Nothing to look forward to. When we die, do we have anything to look forward to? As a child of God, we do. So that preachers will tell people, and this is a great attraction, preachers will offer salvation and offer grace and favor and redemption with a preamble that all you have to do is believe in it, that it's there. Okay. Think about this. Somebody's going to give you a gift. Do you believe them? Well, if it's somebody dependable, <laughs> grace and truth, okay. Somebody do you depend on? Yeah. I believe it. You're going to give me a gift. But how do I get it? Well, I already believe that you're going to do it, but I don't have it in hand. How do I get it in hand? How do I get that gift? You, you see, this, this is the thing. Sometimes you're asked simply to accept the favor and just believe that it's there. All you have to do is believe that Jesus is the Christ and you are full of grace. You've gotten the gift. Now, that's... that's promoted and it's promoted actively and it's promoted to people that really 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 want to be saved they want the gift they want want to stand before God without any sins on their account they really do 
That's why they're there. Thousands of people will gather and listen to a preacher who's offering them through Jesus Christ redemption, salvation, and grace and not really telling them how to get it. They're there because they believe it. And the preacher says, all you have to do is believe it. Now, some of them will add something to it. Some will add, and if you'll pray to God, He'll give you the grace. So, believe and pray. That's how you're supposed to get the gift. Radio and televangelists will add that you should put your hand on the receiver, on the radio or the TV, and pray and say, Lord, I believe that Jesus is the Christ in order to receive His grace. Telemarketers will call you on the phone and use the personal cell phone for the vehicle. They'll ask most of these televangelists and so forth, and even in large crowds, they'll ask for a donation. And obviously, if you're going to be going to have eternal life, you're going to dole out the dollars. If somebody says, I'll give you eternal life for $100, I'll peel it off in a hurry. Or I'll run to the ATM and get it. Or I'll borrow it. I'll, somehow I'll get it. But the point is, the Bible does tell us that God offers His favor without our having to earn it by acts of righteousness. So you don't have to earn it in terms of, I'm going to do better tomorrow than I did yesterday. I'm going to keep the commandment better than I kept it yesterday. That's earning your salvation. That's the law of Moses. That's the law you don't have to keep. It's not that you don't have to try, but the point is you're not always going to be able to be victorious or successful. The idea is that God's grace will cover you, and you can therefore be unburdened of your sins and know that when you fall, some will fall, Jesus is with you, and he's, the Holy Spirit is in your life, in your heart, and you can get up, get up, get up, get up, and do better. Get out of bed. You've got something to look forward to. Romans chapter 4, verse 1, 1 through 8 says, let's talk about Abraham just for a minute because he's the guy that people usually refer to in terms of having faith. What shall we say then that Abraham, my father, has found as pertaining to the flesh? If Abraham were justified by works, he has where of the glory. So Abraham was not justified by works. But what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that works is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Okay, so Abraham was justified by faith. But what we forget is that Abraham was told to do something, and he did it. God extended his grace to Abraham, but Abraham had to respond to get the gift. He had to do something. James chapter 2 verse 20 says, Will you know, O vain man, that without faith, that, w- that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? So Abraham was told, you can have grace, but you need to offer your son Isaac upon the altar. Now that had nothing to do with works of righteousness, but Abraham did it because he stepped out on his faith and did what God told him to do. But the, the main text that I want to look at in the Old Testament is the one found in Genesis 6 and verse 8 where it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. How did Noah find grace in the eyes of the Lord? Because the Lord said, Noah, I'm going to save you. Now build an ark. Okay, reach out and get your salvation, Noah. Reach out and, and, and possess it. Grace is appropriated by faith, that's for sure. Ephesians chapter 2 at verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. 
It is the gift of God. Faith is conveyed through His Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The favor of God has to be accepted actively and not passively. It's not something that just comes upon you. In other words, when Jesus was sent to this earth with grace, grace just didn't flood over the whole world and everybody received it. It was given through Jesus Christ, the vehicle of the truth, which is the Word of God, faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and people reaching out and accepting the grace. Okay. Grace is likened to sunshine and rain <laughs> in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 and 45. The word grace doesn't appear there, but love does. Now listen to this. I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Okay, that's a gift of God, isn't it? The sun. But you know what? If you want the sun in your life, you're going to have to get out of your cave and get out in the sunlight. Understand it now. The sun is there and God gave it. But you have to go get it. Now in this part of the country, it's hard for us to get a lot of it. But if it's around, we enjoy it. And we get out. You're not going to get a suntan sitting in the house. The sun is there. And it's God's gift. And it's His gift by grace. But we have to go get it. If you live in a cave all your life, you never step out, you're not going to enjoy the blessings of God's Son. Same with rain. Rain is good. But unless you build a dock and, and dam, up, dam up the area where you can save some of this and use it, it's not going to do you any good. Just the rain coming down. You plant your garden and the rain feeds it and you have the benefits of that. The point is, in order for you to accept the grace of Jesus Christ, you have to reach out and, and get it, and God tells you how to do that. You hear the word of God, and you believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, in Acts 2.37, the first time the gospel was preached, it said when they heard that they'd killed Jesus, they, they were pricked in their hearts, and they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? How do we get out of this situation into that situation? Peter said, Repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Step out. Do something. Take hold. Here's the gift. Come get it. Come get it. In Acts chapter 9, verse 6, when the, the uh, man who's called the Apostle Paul later, his name was Saul, says he, he, was, he was on his way to Damascus with some letters to, to uh, persecute Christians prosecute them and it says that he was surrounded by great light in Acts 9 verse 6 it says he trembling and astonished said Lord what will you have me do why did he say that why didn't he just he believed that Jesus was the Christ the light was all around him and Jesus said why do you persecute me and Jesus said what did he say to him? Jesus said, why do you persecute me? And Paul said, who are you? He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. At that point, you would think by some who would 
tell you otherwise, that he was already saved, but he wasn't. He believed in Jesus Christ. He heard about Jesus. As a matter of fact, this man, Paul, probably was with Jesus Christ from the time he was baptized until this point because he knew all about him. He did persecute them, but he, he hadn't been converted. Now, here he was on the road to Damascus, and he said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. And Saul said, What will you have me to do? You know what he said to him? He said, Go into Damascus to a street called Straight. Call for a man named Ananias. He'll tell you what to do. You know what Ananias said when he got there? He told him in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, he said, Why, why wait around? Why, why, why wait? Why do you tarry? Arise, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Wow. There's the gift. And there's Saul reaching out and saying, I, I want it, Lord. I want it. We hear about the favor of God in the gospel. We believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead. We know that He's the Son of God. We confess our faith in Him. Romans chapter 10 at verse 10. And we repent of our past sins and we're buried with Him in baptism and we walk, rise to walk in newness of life. The grace of God is ours by faith that is produced by the Word. God help you to continue in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand and sing our final song.